Welcome to the Aaron Church Podcast, where our mission is bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Each podcast episode features the latest talk from our church, which are released weekly. We're passionate about Jesus, love to worship together, and are committed to changing our community for the better. Connect with us at aaronchurch.com. Okay, hello everyone. This is exciting, chilly but exciting. Um, so I'm going to be speaking to you this morning about Acts uh, 13 and the title I've been given to speak on today is Radically Speaking Out. Now I've been preparing this talk in my head for weeks and properly for the last two weeks um, and I've come about, I've had about three different versions of this talk in my head. So apologies, I'm not quite sure which one's going to end up being spoken about. But I have a plan, whether it gets stuck to or not. Who knows? It's an exciting bit, isn't it? So we'll just wait and see. I'm just checking the time because I can waffle. Okay, I've got 20 minutes. Let's go. Right, Acts 13. Okay, this is a chapter in Acts that has 52 verses. It has about five different bits to the chapter that I could do a talk on each one. I'm not going to do that. We would be here for a lot longer than 20 minutes. Um, So I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of what the chapter is about. So tune in because you don't want to miss it. Um, But rather than read you all 52 verses, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to put my own little thoughts in as we speak, and different verses that popped out um, for me, I'm going to read out to you as well. So this starts with Paul and Barnabas in the church in Antioch. Now, we've been learning about Acts the last um, little while at church, and so to give it some context, this is the early church, okay? So this is, um, there's been amazing things happening. They've seen amazing miracles, um, They have faced huge persecution. They've lost some of the disciples, their friends. They've been martyred and killed. Um, But they've also seen amazing things happening. So this is the context of where this comes. It's it's exciting. There's masses going on. The disciples um, and Jesus' followers, the early church, would have been living day to day with great excitement, not knowing what was going to happen day to day. And there'd be fear, and there'd be joy, and there'd be laughter, and there'd be pain from day to day. That's, that's the reality of what they were living in. So this brings us to, this is a Paul and Barnabas and some other prophets in their church. Um, and this is about 11 years after Saul had his encounter with um, God on the road to Damascus. So he's been um, what we would call a Christian for 11 years by this point. Okay. And this whole chapter is Paul's very first missionary journey. So it starts in the church in Antioch. And verse 2 to 3 says, While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. That's Paul, by the way. But they're still calling him Saul at this point. Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So the very first point I want to to bring out here is that Paul, Saul and Barnabas were sent out on their first missionary journey after prayer and fasting and laying on of hands and community. So keep that in your head and being led by the Holy Spirit. Then the next bit of the journey, they travel overseas to Cyprus. Who fancies a nice little Cyprus break right now? Anyone fancy some winter sun? (laughs) Well, they had some. So Paul and Barnabas set off 
and they arrived in Cyprus. It says in the Bible that they started preaching straight away. So as soon as they arrived, they started preaching. As soon as they got there, they started speaking about Jesus and the good news. It said that they preached in synagogues to the Jews. That's how they started preaching there. Then they traveled the whole of the island. They arrived in one place, traveled across the island to the other place. It would have taken a little while. So it's not an immediate A to B journey. And it says that on their journey, that many people heard God's word and came to faith as well. But when they got to the other side of the island, to a place called Paphos, Paphos, some of you have been there. Has anyone been to Paphos? On a party island? Yeah, a few of you. Nice. (laughs) Um, They encounter someone who gets in their way. So it says that they encountered a sorcerer, a false prophet called Bar-Jesus. And he opposes them. And he tries to turn the people that they're speaking to away from what they're saying. So immediately they face opposition. They face somebody getting, trying to get in the way, stopping them speaking about the good news, speaking about Jesus. And this, so verse 9, just before this happens, is the first time in the Bible that Saul is called Paul. Now that is a, that goes from the Jewish Saul to now speaking to Gentiles, Paul. And from this moment in the Bible, he's generally called Paul. So, get into your head. This is Paul and Barnabas are on their journey. They face this, they call him sorcerer, who's trying to stand in the way of them preaching the good news. This is quite a dramatic moment. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, important bit, what was he filled with? Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked steadily at the sorcerer. Everyone say, looked steadily. Come on, you guys at this side. Look steadily. Thank you. There we go. Lovely. (laughs) At Elemis the sorcerer and says, You, Elemis, who are full of every kind of fraud, you, son of the devil, enemy of everything that is right and good, will you never stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now watch. The hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind, unable to see the sun for a time. Now, this here is a, is, a, is a preach on its own. Basically, Paul says to this guy, this sorcerer who's in the way, you're going to be blind. And then, this, and then he becomes blind. And I was reading that and thinking, oh, how am I going to preach about this? Speaking, radically speaking out, off you go and ask people to become blind. I was thinking, oh dear, this is dangerous, dangerous territory. Nobody go around doing that, please. Okay? But this is what happened. It's in the Bible. This is what happened. But I was thinking about this after and thinking... What happened to Saul when he met Jesus? Do you remember what happened? He became blind for three days, didn't he? He became blind. So that was the first, do we call it miracle? We do. That was the first miracle that happened to Paul was he became blind. So this miracle that he's performing, we think of miracles being healed, don't we? We think of people being set free and all those amazing things. We don't often think of somebody being made blind as a miracle. I'm not saying I think please hear me right. I'm not saying if you've got something, if you're ill or blind or something, that I think that's somebody, God's obviously got something to say to you. I don't think that, not for one tiny second. But in this moment, in this moment, Paul says it as as it is, filled with the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't say this guy's blind forever. It says he'll be unable to see the sun for a time. It's basically Paul saying, looking at him steadily and saying, out the way, I've got work to be done. Out the way, 
I've got work to be done. He doesn't spend ages doing it, arguing back and forth about the rights and the wrongs and who's correct and doesn't go around telling everyone else, oh, look, this, I don't believe him, he's terrible. He just looks at him steadily, looks at him steadily and says, says it how it is. And he says, basically, out the way, I've got work to be done. So the second phase of the journey. They sail again to another place called Perga and they arrive and they begin preaching in the synagogues. Paul begins to tell the story of the good news of salvation through faith. Now he knows his audience. He's preaching in synagogues. Long before Paul became to know, came to know Jesus, he knew the Old Testament scriptures really well. He was really well taught. He would have been quite intellectual, knowing the, knowing the scriptures and he could preach and he could debate and he could discuss all of these different things. That was his past, his history. But that was also woven into who he is now. So he began preaching in synagogues to the Jews. Everyone was excited. They loved it. They invited them to come and speak. They loved it. And it said that many Jews and, um, and converts to Judaism met with Jesus. They became Christians. And they, they heard the good news and heard the good news of salvation. And they, they came to know him. So everyone was excited. And they said to Paul and Barnabas, oh, great. See you back here next week. How exciting. Next week comes. Everyone's pumped up. Woo, here we go. And Paul and Barnabas start preaching. And this time, they start preaching not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. So it says in the Bible that the whole city gathered to hear what Paul and Barnabas had to say. The whole city I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? If you think about that, they've all gathered. There's so much excitement. There's so much chat. There's so much um, buzz in the air about what was being said that the whole city arrives and, um, to hear what's being said. But it said, as Paul and Barnabas start speaking to everyone, suddenly the Jews get jealous. And it says, hang on, I want to get the right, the right thing here. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things said by Paul and were slandering him. And at that same time, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and confidently. Now, God's been speaking to me about those words, so I'm going to get you to repeat it again. Remember, I used to be a children's worker and I work with kids. Okay, so um, boldly and confidently. Thank you. Very nice. Boldly and confidently. And that was, you know, you think it's easy to hear that and think, oh, yeah, they spoke boldly and confidently because, of course, they would have done it. It's Paul and Barnabas. They knew what they were doing. But they're facing opposition. They're not just facing somebody um, kind of saying, I don't really like what he's saying. They're, they're, they're facing it directly, kind of right in their face, basically kind of saying, we don't like what you're saying. And they, that doesn't stop them. They don't turn from what they've been told to do from their journey because of other people. And they don't spend ages arguing with them. They just keep speaking boldly and confidently because that's what they've been set out to do. That's who, what the Holy Spirit said to them in prayer and in fasting. That's what their history, their stories have been building up and leading to. All of the learning that they've done in the past. Barnabas, as it happens, was from Cyprus so Barnabas is going back to Cyprus. He was a Cypriot Jew. So he was going back to where he was from to speak and to teach in those places. And it can't have been easy facing opposition. But because they knew the trajectory they were on, they spoke boldly and they spoke confidently. The Jews were not happy, instigating persecution, persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them forcibly out of their district. Again, it's easy to just read over that and think, okay, that's just what happened. But they faced persecution. They were persecuted. 
and they were driven forcibly out of the district. But they shook its dust from their feet. Should we shake some dust? <laughs> In protest against them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled. Can we say continually filled? Throughout their hearts and souls with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Who in this room who knows Jesus does not want to be continually filled through your heart and soul with joy and with the Holy Spirit? I mean, oh my goodness, sounds like a good day to me. If I could come home and Ben says, how was your day? And I can go, oh, do you know what? I was continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah, with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a good day, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? And it wasn't because they didn't face opposition or persecution. It was in the midst of persecution, opposition, that they didn't waver from their calling because they, were so, they knew so deeply that that's what God had called them to do. It says, I said at the beginning, but it says, um, uh, ah, here we go, um, in verse 2 to 3 again, that they set apart, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I've, I've um, put that in, in capitals, just so you know. The work to which I have called them. That's what they were doing. They were, they were, they were on the work that they had been called to do. And so they were filled with the Holy Spirit and nothing got in the way, even though it was tough. All right, that's my quick summary and at the end there it says about shaking the dust off their feet I don't know if you remember in Luke when uh, Jesus sends the disciples out in twos that's what he says he says take nothing with you take nothing with you and if they don't want to hear what you've got to say in that place move on shake the dust off your feet and move on don't walk on complaining and grumbling and whining and moaning and saying how terrible it was for you and how awful it was and how um, nobody understood you and they didn't really get you at all shake the dust off carry on that's what Jesus said, and that's what they were doing. And they were doing that to, to show and, um, and symbolize that. So what can we learn from this? Go to Cyprus on holiday? Yes, please, God. That would be great. Thank you. Um, no, lessons to learn from Paul and Barnabas in radically speaking out. So I've been asked to speak on radically speaking out. Radically, as we know, we've been talking about this, kind of means the root of, the root of. Speaking out is... It's just that. So speaking about what things that you think, your opinions, um, what's on your heart, that's what speaking out is. So the root of speaking out. What is the root of speaking out for you? What is it? What's that root? Is it, uh, what are you speaking out of in your heart? That's why I want you to just pause and think about that, first of all. Paul and Barnabas started in prayer. And the root of their speaking out was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led them. The Holy Spirit led them. That means the root of that is love. Love led them with their speaking out. They were wanting to, they preached the good news of salvation to see people set free, to see people come into right relationship with God and, and to know him and to know the freedom that comes with that and the blessing that comes with that and, and the life that comes with that. Paul and Barnabas radically spoke out, but they knew who they were. They knew their history. They knew their story. They knew their calling. They knew what they were going to. They knew who they were in Christ. And they knew who they'd been made to be. Now, if we're going to radically speak out, it's really important that we speak out of a place of security, knowing who we are in God. Now, identity is something that's talked about so much these days in all kinds of ways. And 
as Christians, really, we should just be looking to Jesus for our identity, looking to God. Now, we'll all, we all look different. We are all different. We do different jobs. We hold different roles. We have different um, responsibilities. And all that is part of our identity. But what I'm talking about is the identity that's deep within us. So I, Joe Gisby, I am daughter of the lovely Bob and Muriel Scott, who come to church. They're not here today because it's too cold. But um, my identity is their daughter. My identity is Ben's wife. My identity is mother of my three children. My identity is um, children's mentor in a school. My identity is... um, auntie to my nieces and nephews I'm a friend to my friends it's it's a huge amount of things I know that identity but do we know our identity in Jesus in God so I looked up I'm not going to read them all because again we'll be here far too long um lots of different names of God because if we're going to know who we are we need to know who he is because we're children of God right yeah okay and we are made in his Image. Oh, what's his image? Do we know what his image is? What is the image that we're holding in our heads? Because if we don't have that right, how will we know who we are in relation to that? Yeah? So there are so many names of God in the Bible, each one carrying so much power and authority and um, importance that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's years worth of teaching. But I'll just quickly read some of them. I might end up reading them all. Who is Jesus? I'm not, he is Prince of Peace, Son of God, the great physician, teacher, cornerstone, master, bread of life, the great I am, the word, good shepherd, father, resurrection and the life, Christ, servant, savior, Lord, friend, helper, light of the world, king of kings. That's page one. I'm going to read page two. These aren't even all of them. There's more than 40, but this is just 40. Hang on. I've printed two the same. Never mind. We'll just do another. Just trust me on that. (laughs) But if we know who God is, then we can stand in that. And if we can't, why? Are we believing what the world has said about us, what someone else has said? Are we believing what we have said to ourselves? Is that what we're believing? If so, let's be Holy Spirit-led. Let's sit down with some people in our community and pray. Let's pray. What do you say, God? Who do you say I am? And then let's speak out of that. What a different place to speak out of. Who are you, Joe Gisby? Oh, I'm the daughter of the King of Kings. Thanks. Princess. Yep. Warrior. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. Imagine that. I mean, you know, you start off in your head like that. How different the gravitas of what you've got to say. Even this morning, I can look around this room and see wisdom in so many faces. And I look at those people thinking, oh my goodness, they know the Bible so much better than I do. I've got nothing. What can I, what on earth have I got to bring to them? But Joe Gisby, daughter of the king, led by the Holy Spirit, oh, that's a different story altogether. And that is not a false confidence, it's true confidence, not in me, in him, and in who he is. So there we go. I went on that tangent. (laughs) Identity, Holy Spirit led. Paul and Barnabas had wisdom and passion. Whatever you is in your heart to speak about, seek wisdom. Don't just start going without any wisdom behind it. 
because you'll just immediately encounter opposition. And if you haven't got wisdom behind it, that's tricky. That's, that's tricky to, to navigate, to negotiate, isn't it? So seek wisdom. Whatever your passion is or you feel God's put on your heart, learn about it. And you might be thinking, it's easy for you. Maybe, you know, you, you don't find that too difficult. I find I don't like learning. I find it difficult. God's kind. He can help you in, in the way that, that he just does through films, through pictures, through friends. It doesn't have to be you sitting reading an academic um, debate on something. You know, you can, you can seek wisdom. Look at the Bible. Read children's books. I love children's books. You all know that. Read, you can find wisdom in those places. Wherever works for you, wherever you know God can help you with, find wisdom and passion. If we speak without passion, it can get a bit boring, can't it? So ask God. If you don't know what your passion is, ask God. Give me a passion, God. Light my heart. Like Set, set me aflame about something. What do you want? What do you want me to be passionate about? God will answer that. He'll answer that. So, yeah. What if you're unsure of your identity or don't like your identity? Make sure the words that you're speaking to yourself, listen to this, the words that you're speaking to yourself are rooted in love, are rooted in what God says. How often do you look in the mirror in the morning and go, oh, I look rubbish today. Oh, gosh, I've got this on today. And off you go for your day feeling pretty rotten. Look at yourself in the mirror. Thank you, Jesus, for this face. <laughs> Thank you that I am a child of God. Thank you that I can show people you today. What difference does that make in how you speak to yourself? You need to know who he is. Speak his truth to yourself. It's sometimes easier to do it to other people, isn't it? Not always easy to do to yourself. But make sure that the root of what you're saying to yourself and to others is love and Holy Spirit-led. page the root of it all needs to be prayer so when we're radically speaking out we need to pray we need to pray um it's just so important in the early church that's how they did everything prayer was so much part of their everyday language it sometimes didn't even warrant being spoken about because it just was what happened all the time with each other you wouldn't be, you know, let's meet, oh, maybe we should pray at the end. Oh, no, actually, we've got to go, bye. It would be rooted in all of it. Let's, well, let's, start by, let's start with praying for each other. Let's start with praying. So the root of anything, let's, let's start that with prayer, our speaking out from that perspective. Let it, our speaking out be Holy Spirit-led and love-led. Let's speak words that bring life. Let's speak life to others and to ourselves. Speak truth. Words are important. Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. The words that come out will flow from your heart. Look after your heart. Look after it. What does God say? He loves you. You're safe. You are held. What does he say? Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
That's a stark warning. That's a stark warning in this world of words, Facebook, Instagram, social media, everybody, everybody putting their opinion out there day after day after day after day. The things we say have the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So that means what you're speaking out, if you're speaking out life, you'll get life. If you're speaking out death, hatred, fear, that's what will come back. And I don't mean what, will, what goes around comes around. I don't mean that. What I mean is what you're speaking out then bears fruit for you and for the people and for the people hearing what you say. So be people that speak life. Be people that speak love. That's my challenge. So my challenge to us all is to share with someone this week about what we've been saying. So you will know for you where you might need that prayer. Are you waiting to be sent out? And you just need someone to lay hands on you and say, go, go. Are you not sure about who you are when I'm talking about that identity in God does that say something to you do you know that actually you've been speaking things to yourself that bring death speak speak to somebody who will encourage you who can pray with you and speak life to you do you know what your passion is if you don't speak to someone say do you know what I really don't know can you help me find it and be rooted in everything you do be rooted in prayer and Holy Spirit-led. And then we can speak boldly and confidently and look steadily at the opposition that we face. There we go.